Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. So we have five more days until Christmas, and um, many of us, uh, I, I assume, are, 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 are patiently waiting for, for Christmas, right? Uh, no, we, we tend to, to, to want to kind of move through the next four to five days quickly. Um, not in my family, uh, of course, because tomorrow is my wonderful wife's birthday, and then the next day is my wonderful first son's birthday. And then on the 25th is Jesus's birthday where we buy presents for everyone except Jesus. And then there is uh, on the 29th, my third, uh, my second son, my third child's birthday. And so the next week or so is going to be uh, one of joyous celebration in our house. And we're looking forward to it to, to, to get there, I'm sure for the kids, but um, for the parents to, to kind of slow down and take time to, to think and reflect on their lives as they continue to grow. But we are in our last week of Advent, a week of waiting. And so to help you, I am going to preach a 90-minute sermon this morning to slow things down. Just joking. Pray with me, please. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, even in the midst of this random year, it seems. And we pray, Lord, that you would cultivate in us a desire to worship you, to keep our hearts, our minds, our lives oriented toward you and your holy word, that we would remember who you are and all that you've done for us and in us and through us, and that we would remember that you are the promise giver, the promise maker, and that you fulfill your promises. And so, Lord, as we look at Psalm 132, we pray that you would help us to know and to remember and to sing your promises over ourselves and one another. We thank you once more, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. We pray this in your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So for the past few weeks, um, we've, we've been on a journey. We've been on a journey through several Psalms that provide us powerful testimonies of faith where the people of God cry out to the Lord, asking the Lord to restore those things that are broken. And God does just that. In many ways, the Psalms are a record of the people of God kind of struggling to remain faithful to God in a world that is broken. That's one way that we can read the Psalms, uh, reading them as, as if, if they're longing for restoration, petitioning God over and over, lamenting to God over and over, singing to God over and over what is true of God and what God has said. Now, part of their struggle to remain faithful had to do with the fact that they were the people of God, meaning they were the people who God had chosen and promised greatness and blessing. But all too often, they're trying to make sense of being a chosen people with the promise of greatness when they're surrounded by chaos and they are in captivity. Sounds familiar. I mean, many of us, actually can identify with this struggle of faith, if not all of us, especially in light of what we've experienced this year. Political chaos, economic instability, increasing unemployment, 
systemic injustice against minorities and rising deaths in our city, state, nation, and around the globe, even as I preach. Loss of friends and family and loved ones. Increasing mental health challenges and our community of faith having to journey in and through a type of exile away from one another. And struggle we have. And struggle we will. But it's how we struggle that makes all the difference. And what we will discover in the Psalms are powerful stories of the fight of faith, of a people struggling to make meaning of their lives in light of God's promises amidst all the brokenness in the world. And Psalm 132 is no different. But before we turn to Psalm 132, it's important to understand some of the context about where God's people have been up to this point, because where we're at in the story matters. So by the time we get to Psalm 132, the people of God have been in exile because of their failure to remain faithful to God in light of God's covenant that God made with them. You'll remember as early as Genesis 12 in the first book of the Bible, God makes a promise to bless this man called Abram. And he changes his name to Abraham and God makes a promise. And the promise is that he will make out of him a great nation through which the entire world would be blessed. And throughout the Old Testament, God keeps and sustains his promise over hundreds and hundreds of years, not to mention the fact that God will continually renew his promise in various ways in an effort to remind and encourage his people that he is faithful to his word. In fact, Psalm 132 is a song of remembering God's covenant that God made with David and David's descendants which is actually found back in 2 Samuel 7, where God promises David a great name, that that, that he would appoint a place for his people to, to dwell and that God would free his people from oppression of the foreign nations, all of which God fulfilled during David's life. And in addition, God promised David that he would have a descendant who would reign forever over a rescued and restored Israel. So by the time we get to Psalm 132, the story of God and his people is very tense because on the one hand, God has made a covenant with his people, but his people have been unable or more precisely unwilling to remain faithful to him. And as a consequence, they are taken captive and are in exile. Ought to say there is much tension in the air. God has promised one thing, but his people are experiencing another reality. So will God keep his promise and do what he said? And will God rescue and restore his people? It is this very tension between God's promise and the condition of his people that form the background to Psalm 132. Now, you might be thinking, what is the reason these people would sing in the first place? And 
why sing about the promises that God made to David? Well, first, I believe that the people of God understood the significance that singing has on our lives, especially the type of singing that we today would characterize as as praise. They understood how singing and praise of God is transformative. That is how praise leads us out of conformity to the world by transforming our knowledge and our perception so that we may discern what God intends for us. I believe this. I believe that they understood that the loss of the desire and the ability to sing is nothing less than another type of captivity of the community of faith. A, cap, a, a captivity of thought to ideology, uh, sorry, uh, idolatry and ideology. A type of captivity where our actions are just futile pursuits. And for a people surrounded by chaos and in captivity, praise of God and singing about God's promises was a way that they reoriented their minds and their hearts and their souls and their actions toward what God intended for them. So what are the songs that you and I memorize and sing? What Songs do you, do you allow to consume your mind and your heart? And let's not pretend even your actions. And why those songs? What songs do we teach one another and our children? And why? And how do the songs we memorize and sing influence and give shape to our lives? I mean, songs inspire us. They, they help us make meaning of ourselves and the world we live in. They evoke strong feelings and emotions about ourselves and others. I mean, this is why historically the church actually sang the entire Sunday service. And this is still true in the Orthodox and some uh, high church Catholic and Episcopal churches. The entire liturgy is sung. I watched an interview with a uh, Coptic Orthodox uh, priest on YouTube. This Protestant goes around to all these different denominations and churches, and he interviews. And he was interviewing this uh, uh, Coptic Orthodox priest. And he asked the question, like, why do you sing? And he kind of gave a similar response that I just did. And he's like, so it helps you memorize the word of God. He was like, yeah. And the guy just off the cuff, he was like, you know, Second uh, Chronicles 13.2. And the priest started thinking, and then he started chanting the liturgy of the year. It's the same liturgy, but he was able to remember where that fell in the three-year cycle of readings in the life of his church. And he began to sing Second Chronicles in that verse. In fact, the entire passage, and, the, and this, this guy was just like dumbfounded. He was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, like okay, first Second Samuel. <laughs> and so like the guy was just like, And so it was amazing. But the the point is that songs inspire us. And so the people of God praised God and sang about God's promises because God's promises and blessings inspired them, changing their view of God and themselves and their purpose for life, which was worship. And so we see here in the beginning of Psalm 132 that the psalmist petitions the Lord to remember his promises to David and his people. 
Lord, remember David in all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Here in Psalm 132, the psalmist asked God to look upon and remember David and to remember something particular about David, his afflictions. He prays, Lord, consider the man, consider his troubles, and let none of them be forgotten or wasted. It is as if the psalmist is holding God to what God has said to his descendants. Apart from Jesus, who is given the title Son of David, which we read in our passage in Luke this morning, David, the son of Jesse, is acknowledged as Israel's greatest king to ever live. But what we find is the remembrance of something that was true about his life. Even David, a man with power and privilege and greatness, suffered many afflictions. That his power and greatness and privilege did not protect him from suffering. As a side note, we know how history unfolds. We should not be surprised by suffering, particularly Christians, because we discover in God's word that even God, in the person of Jesus Christ, would endure and suffer the greatest affliction known to man. But nevertheless, David remembers the Lord. He remembers what the Lord said to him. And this is key. Because no matter what is happening in his life or our lives, we can follow David's example. We can always remember the Lord and and what the Lord wants us to remember about him. And what David wanted the Lord to remember was this, that he swore to find him a dwelling place. But why is this so crucial. Why is a home with God in his presence so important to David and, and to the psalmist and to the people of God? Well, we just sang it. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. You see, in the context of the chaos and captivity of their lives, God reigning over with and through his people is shalom. When God is in his temple, things will change. This is why the psalmist and the people are so concerned with God fulfilling his promises to David and his people. I mean, up until David's time, the tabernacle had been everywhere. 2 Samuel 7, 5 through 7, in these two verses, uh, we get a record of how God had not dwelt in a house since the time that he brought his chosen people out of Egypt, but he had moved about in a tent and in, and in a tabernacle from one place to another place to another place to another place to another place, and then lost and then found into another place into another place, and so on. And so David swears to the Lord until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place of the mighty one of Jacob. David was absolutely dedicated 
to building God a temple, a dwelling place. And his dedication to this was so complete that he vowed to refuse himself of many comforts of life until this job was complete. He would give up his home, his bed, even sleep until he found a place for God to dwell permanently. And as the scriptures make clear, David was made a party to an everlasting covenant with God on account of his commitment to the worship of the Lord Almighty. And God promises that David would never fail to have a son on the throne of Israel, that his authority would be exercised forever. So what might seem like a random request from the psalmist for God to remember his promise to David is actually more than meets the eyes. The request is nothing less than a representative prayer of the people of God for God to remember their heart for worship. And there is nothing more wonderful than the glory and holiness of God. God seeks the exaltation of his name among his people around the world. This is the heart of David's passion for a place for God to dwell. And what we discover here in Psalm 132 is how David's passion inspires the people of God for a heart of worship, a heart for life with God. If you're ever asked, what does it mean to worship? The most simplest but yet profound response you can give is life with God. And when we consider the context of their lives, worship in the face of suffering and turmoil, though on the surface seems inefficient, it's actually what they and we are made for. Worship is the most important thing, not only for them, but also for us. Worship is the most important thing for us to be doing in this time because worship reorients us to what is real, the restoration and the redemption of the people of God and what they long for then and what we have tasted and experienced now, but yet we long for. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, this is real. The people of God understand that God's promise to David is God's promise to his people. And God's promise is that he will rescue, that he will restore, that he will dwell with them forever. And in Christ, God comes to dwell with us in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, God dwells in us. Amen? What we discover in these first few verses of Psalm 132 is that no matter what is occurring in our lives, we at all times and in all places ought to remember the promises of the Lord and ask God to remember those promises as we struggle to remain faithful, to enjoy his presence in our lives. 
But this presumes one very vital thing, that we know the promises of God. Do you know the promises of God? If not, then the Psalms are filled with people remembering and praying the promises of God over themselves and over others. Sisters and brothers, listen to me clearly. Do not go through life content without knowing God's promises. This will only lead to apathy and a lack of faith, and you will lose the struggle to remain faithful if you lose God's promises. Learn and remember the promises of God, for they are life and salvation. When things get tough, it can be easy to focus on ourselves and our difficulties. But remember these promises about who God is and let these promises lift your eyes away from your own situation to the God who is infinitely good. That the Lord is good to all and that his compassion on all that he has made. Psalm 145, 9. Or 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Or James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Hold on to these promises that God is with you, that you are not alone. And either rejoice or lament. I'm not saying forget what's going on. I'm not, I'm not saying let's pretend that, that the struggle is not real, that we don't have to mind the tension. But remember the promises and let them reorient the way in which, how you struggle. Remember Isaiah 40, 29, that God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Remember Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember the promises. Pray them over yourself and others. And as I've already mentioned, one of the, the surest promises of God is that in and through the life and the work of Jesus Christ, God in and through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells with and in you. The present presence of the kingdom of God is in our midst. So to trust in the promises of God is to trust in the promise giver. It is to trust in God himself. And this is key because it's not necessarily about the benefits of Jesus Christ that the people of God or the church should be focused on as much as the God who promises life. Through which and by which and in which the benefits come. What we discover is that the promises of God provide us with the structure, the framework for the struggle of faith in the midst of our lives. And that we are not alone, that God is with us 
and in us. So let us be a people, beloved, who no matter what is going on in our lives, we learn and we remember and we pray and we sing God's promises over ourselves and one another. Let us be known for our desire, for our heart of worship, a life with God, because there is nothing more wonderful than the glory and holiness of the Lord. Again, God seeks the exaltation of his name around the world. And this benefits his creatures. For in worshiping God, we discover our true purpose and experience his blessed presence. And it would follow then that those who are committed to the worship of our creator are women and men after his own heart. For they have the same priorities that he does. In the next few verses, the people's desire for worship of God begins to increase, we see. Because they continue to remember God's promise to make ready a place for him to dwell with them forever. In other words, as they remember, they remember. And as they remember, God begins to fulfill in response to their remembrance. In other words, their remembrance of God's promises to his people inspire them continually to worship. In fact, the song begins to crescendo here with a divine tone of great anticipation where God's people will worship him in his holy place. And in that place, those whom God has set apart to lead them in worship will be clothed with righteousness and all the saints will shout for joy. Here we discover that who God is and what God has done will, and will do gives us reason to rejoice. And in the same way God's people have every reason to rejoice and worship God, we too have reason to shout for joy. Has not the same Lord who rescued and restored his chosen people not blessed us in the same way? Has not the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David rescued us from slavery of sin, from ourselves and the devil and eternal death? Hasn't he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Beloved, listen, God's promises to David are sure, and this is good news for us because Christ surely reigns over all creation. And because of this, we will surely reign with him as the scriptures have told us in 2 Timothy 2.12. Dwell on these promises. Dwell on these blessings. God's promises and blessings will inspire and change your view of worship. They will create in you a zeal for worship. So again, learn, remember, and pray God's promises. Be sure that the Lord has and will continue to clothe you with righteousness. And this is something that we can shout and sing for joy. But if you're, you're, if you're not able to move towards shouting and singing for joy, if you can't be moved, then lament, as I said earlier. Lament and remember in your lament again that you are not alone. That the same God who hears our songs of praise hears your lament. So lament and remind God of those promises that he has made and where restoration for his name needs to take place in your life, in our lives, in our city, in our world. But remember, 
to follow the psalmist's example because we see that the remainder of Psalm 132 is nothing less than continual remembrance of God's promise with great anticipation. The Lord swore to David. What we find in the the last kind of stanza of the psalm is God's response to David, which the psalmist and the people of God remember, that what is true about God's promises will be fulfilled. God responds with an eternal yes. I have not forgotten the promise that I have made. What is true is that God would fulfill his promises and establish a descendant of David upon the throne. And this is what God did in and through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. God fulfilled his promise to David by establishing upon his throne the Son of promise, God's own Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to David that the one of his offspring would rule forever. Jesus was called the son of David as we heard today in Luke 1, 26 through 38. And so Jesus is the resolution, the fulfillment of God's eternal promise to his people. And God exalts his son, the God-man, Jesus Christ, to an everlasting reign. And then Jesus sends his spirit So what does this mean? Not only have you been made for worship, God makes possible worship for you and I. He has come and he has taken up his habitation in us. That he has made a way for us to live with God in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise, and you are the habitation where God dwells. You have been made for worship. As the New Testament says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are the temple. So in closing, our lives form the environment in which the Lord is glad and pleased to dwell, and through which he is most rightly worshipped. So sisters and brothers, may our lives be and become holy. May we desire life with God. May we worship well in spirit and truth. And may we never forget the promises of God, for in them there is life eternal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.